Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. I want you to imagine something you've probably seen countless times before in popular media. An Old West saloon. You've seen those in movies and TV shows, right? But imagine it. What's it look like? You probably see a mustachioed bartender cleaning a glass, a tired cowboy slumped over the bar, drinking whiskey of dubious quality. Perhaps you see another nattily-dressed bartender fellow sitting at an upright piano, playing a jaunty tune suitable for saloon times. And you probably imagine a few cowboys or frontiersmen sitting at a card table. Each of them is surrounded by a pile of chips, and they're all holding cards close to their chest. They eye each other with suspicious looks, and rounds of betting go around the table. It is every bit as intense as a gunfight, and tension builds as they try to guess who's bluffing and who actually has something. Some of them fold, some of them aggressively push piles of chips at their opponents, and some of them just sit there, thinking. Eventually, there's that moment, just like the moment in a shootout, when everyone goes for their guns, where each gambler puts their cards on the table, and at the end of it all, one is the victor, and others, defeated, get nothing. It makes for a pretty good movie scene. Unfortunately, that image we have of cowboys playing poker is wrong. Well, mostly wrong. We can't definitively say that cowboys didn't ever play poker. They probably did. But had you walked into a saloon in the late 1800s, you certainly could have found a card game. You definitely could have gambled. But nine times out of ten, it wouldn't have been at a poker table nor would it have been blackjack or anything else that modern gamblers are familiar with. Up until the middle 20th century, gamblers were mostly familiar with one big card game, Pharaoh. You've probably never heard of Pharaoh, but it was the game in Europe and North America for decades. The game is originally from France, probably in the late 1600s. The name Pharaoh probably comes from the faux-Egyptian imagery that was popular on French playing cards at the time. When the game migrated to North America, Pharaoh, with a PH, was changed to Pharaoh, F-A-R-O, with English speakers just spelling it phonetically. And this game is pretty simple. You have a game board, and it has pictures of cards from ace to king laid out on it. And in Pharaoh, ace is low, king is high. The players all place bets on top of the images of the cards. So you can bet on eight or queen or jack or whatever. Doesn't really matter, honestly. And the dealer then draws cards from the deck. The first card they draw is called the losing card or the dealer's card. If the player bet on that card to come up, they lose. So if they placed their bet on a 7, and the dealer drew a 7 as the losing card, their money is gone. The next card is the winning card, or 
player's card. If a player bet on that card, they win. So if they placed their bet on an 8 and the dealer drew an 8, hey, money. There is a bit more to it than that, but that right there is the core of the game. Uh, It is basically just guess the card. And Pharaoh was really easy to learn. It was fast-paced. You can make bets and draw cards really quickly, and it offered relatively even odds for the players. It was also very easy to cheat at Pharaoh. Dealers would often use a custom-made dealing box to spit cards out, and it was possible to rig it so, at the right time, you'd get the card you needed. Pharaoh also allowed for player cheating. It was fast, and with lots of players putting bets on the game board, it was often possible for someone with fast hands to move their bet around without others noticing. So don't necessarily think of card shark cowboys as somebody with a card up their sleeves. Pharaoh was not a game where the players held any cards at all. They were placing chips on a game board. Instead, think of a gambling cheat cowboy as a guy with a specially made rigged dealing box, or somebody with good enough sleight of hand skills that they could move around betting chips without others noticing. And really, Pharaoh, it was everywhere. It was also known as riding the tiger or bucking the tiger, and saloons and taverns would advertise games often with just a picture of a tiger. So if you were in an old-timey western town in the late 1800s and you saw a watering hole with a picture of a tiger, well, you could play Pharaoh there. Pharaoh, again, which is just guess the card. Being super popular, it was also what people thought about when they thought about gambling. When cities made anti-gambling ordinances, they were making ordinances, in large part, about Pharaoh. I've mentioned this before on the show, but I'm working on a book about vice throughout Portland history, so naturally this game has come up a lot. And I do have a fairly dramatic Pharaoh anecdote for you from Portland history. So Pharaoh was all over Portland like it was other cities, and particularly the North End, which was Portland's saloon district for a long time. And it's impossible to say for certain which old saloons in that area ran rigged games. But we can almost for sure say that games were rigged. There's one prominent anecdote that strongly implies lots of fixed faro tables all over Portland. And what's more, saloons communicating with each other about a particular guy to cheat. In 1892, a guy called J.P. Cochran came to Portland. He was the young son of an East Coast business family. They ran a paint company, and he showed up in Portland, which at the time was just kind of a medium-sized working-class port town, and he made a big show of his wealth. On his first evening out, he made $1,300 all on Pharaoh. So he was probably feeling pretty good about himself. But this guy who had a really good first night lost it all over the next few days at various faro tables. Cochran played game after game after game, and he kept humiliating himself by losing and promising that his father's company would vouch for all his gambling debts. Eventually, he sold his coat that he was wearing for gambling money, and his dad had to come to Portland 
and collect his destitute indebted son. Now, this anecdote shows us that young Cochrane was almost certainly manipulated. His winnings the first night of $1,300 aren't impossible, but they're certainly improbable. It's entirely possible that dealers playing the long game decided to give him an advantage his first night so he would get good and cocky, feel good about himself, and make him imagine that he could win big at the faro tables. Then he comes back, he loses it all, the gambling tables make their money back, and, as he keeps trying, they're eventually able to get everything from this young rich man who showed up in a frontier town. And they likely did that because they were able to cheat, and they knew who to cheat. This seems to suggest that Pharaoh tables might not cheat their regulars, after all, you want those guys to come back, but if an outsider from the East Coast with a lot of money shows up, yeah, break out the rigged dealing box, take the guy for all he's worth, cheat him, take his cash, and everyone's happy. Except for, you know, that guy. So, I've been reading about this, and it's been relevant to what I'm working on, so I was curious about what it's like to actually play Pharaoh. It's not a game that you can find in any current casino, so I had folks over to my house to actually play it. I hosted Pharaoh Night. I took on the part of the dealer, and we spent an evening playing what was, for a long time, the big thing to do in old-timey bars. Folks seemed to enjoy the game. It was fast. There was a certain amount of winning and losing, and the game certainly does its job. It creates action and drama at the table. It gives people something to do in a saloon setting or party setting, other than just, you know, eat, drink, and talk to each other. Some of my friends more familiar with casino games noted that making a bet on a game board and then having something, like a deck of cards, spit out a result made the game kind of similar to craps or roulette, and less like, say, blackjack or poker. Because, yeah, it is not a game with a lot of strategy. It is not a game where you eye the other players, all steely-eyed, gunfight-looking, and try to guess what they're doing. It really is just lay chips down on a game board, and then see what comes up from the thing, like dice, or roulette wheel, or a deck of cards, and then you win, or lose, or you just don't do either of those things. And that might be kind of sort of a little bit fun, but it's not as much fun as poker. And it's not as much fun as more modern games like Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride or Arkham Horror. Uh, we have come a long way in game technology, and as much as I like looking into old games and finding out how they work, I don't think I'll host another Pharaoh game. It kind of resembled War, the game where you draw cards and whoever draws the bigger card wins. Yeah, not a lot of depth. But you're probably wondering what happened to Pharaoh. I wish I could tell you that it was something dramatic or climactic but it probably declined for a couple of reasons. One, Prohibition got rid of most of the venues where it was played. Uh, two, World War II was a massive social upheaval that disrupted basically all aspects of life for people in Europe and North America for a while. And three, and maybe most importantly, it probably declined because it didn't give enough return to the house. Casinos and other gambling venues 
realized that they could make more money on craps, slot machines, or roulette. So they cycled in games that had better ROI. So, a game that was the favorite in the Old West and had enthusiasts like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and all that, it just vanished because it didn't give a good enough return. Which is, you know, kind of a letdown. Something that was all cowboy-like, you want it to go down in a hail of bullets in a blaze of glory like the end of Young Guns or something like that. Pharaoh stuck around in some Nevada casinos until the 1980s, but now it's essentially extinct. Except when a history podcaster invites people over to his house to play a game that used to be the hottest thing in the West. What I still find fascinating about this, though, is how different an actual late 1800s North American saloon would be from what we have seen in Westerns. And so many Westerns get it wrong. In fact, of John Wayne's various movies, only one, The Shootist, depicts Pharaoh. In all the rest of them, you see cowboys playing poker or other more contemporary casino games. Now, I do have to shout out to the best Western of all time, Tombstone, which gets it right. Wyatt Earp walks into a bar, there's a pharaoh table. And, you know, that's a nod to accuracy because Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, his Huckleberry, they were big fans of the game. But I keep thinking about how often popular media probably does that, and just put their own assumptions, without even knowing it, into what they're creating, thinking that, well, obviously, it's been this, we just know that. I know that people who are experts in historical costume, they watch movies and they see Victorian and Regency and Elizabethan costumes just kind of thrown together in movies and TV shows about fancy history people, and they find it hard to look at. I'd encourage you to keep that in mind when consuming popular media. Keep in mind how many unconscious modern assumptions, like cowboys playing poker, probably worked their way into it. Be critical. Be skeptical. And remember that what you're watching is not history. It's an interpretation of it. It is something that uses and plays with history. And there could be some very important or even unimportant differences. Because if you walked into an old saloon and asked to get dealt into a poker game, the cowboys would probably look at you weird and go, poker, is that some kind of city game? As always, this is a 100% listener-supported podcast. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com to become a monthly supporter. Couldn't do this without you. And I assure you that those funds go to maintaining the podcast, not to, you know, any gambling debts I might accrue at an old-timey pharaoh table. Uh, go on Apple Podcasts, give us stars and ratings, and tell your friends about the show. Tell people about how awesome this podcast is. And why they should listen to it. I'm on social media, at Joe Streckert, at J-O-E-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R-T, and like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound from nowhere. 
See you're out of basics Or a taste of whiskey 